0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Over the line, or close it, he's in A backhand and a slam by Tony Esposito Stan Makita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days A right hand by Eddie Woodland, Magnuson, and he would i down Magnuson trying to tear his hair out NBC Chicago's James Navo. Perfect, picked out again. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Jellios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, his goal down to the tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Ball back, so the drive, skip the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Players to center for tames, you Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the In Law Group, Let's Drop the Puck.
1: Welcome in, friends. This is indeed the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nouveau from NBC5, and with me as always is the one and only Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, it was a um, an interesting game tonight on TNT <laughs> looked like the Blackhawks had it well in and the Detroit Red Wings uh felt otherwise and ended up being a Blackhawks win but boy howdy it was not easy as much as not easy as it can be when you score eight goals in a game
2: yeah as uneasy as I felt in an eight goal performance probably in my entire life but thanks for tuning in make sure you're following us on social media at MadhousePod pod on twitter madhouse underscore pod on instagram and Madhouse Hockey Pod on Facebook. We've got our Tea Public Shop. There's a sale going on there through Sunday. $13 classic tees, up to 35% off everything else in the shop. Use that link in our bio, please, so we get credit for the sale. That's very important. Uh, but yeah, check out our tea Public Sale. You'll enjoy that. We've got our Patreon page, all kinds of stuff. So hit that link in our bio. It's got everything you need, Madhouse Podcast. But let's get right into it. Hawks beat the Red Wings 8-5. to also before the game, send out a long email detailing their new general manager search. The search begins tomorrow. They'll start interviewing candidates. The second half of this show will be our reaction to that news. So make sure you stick around for this whole thing. But let's start with the Blackhawks win in Detroit. And James, you sort of said it, and the game had, it felt like several different games at once. The game started terribly for the Hawks, right? It was all Detroit early on. Mark-Andre Fleury came up big. Then you you blink, and the Hawks are up four-nothing. First period ends. Detroit scores, what was it, two in the third in the second period? It's like it was just a back and forth game all night long. And when the smoke cleared, the Hawks won eight to five. But man, that never felt comfortable. It, uh, no, that's a <laughs> lie. It felt comfortable at four-nothing. After sure. that, as soon as Detroit got back in it. I never felt like it was in hand. It was until Hagel scored that goal. I was like, this is uh this is going to be a tight one and and a scary one." And it was.
1: Yeah, sure as hell didn't feel comfortable when the Red Wings came back and scored three goals in the second period. That was a uh, very nerve wracking uh, few moments there for the Blackhawks after P. S. Suter ended up. Bringing the game within a goal with 13 seconds left was assisted by Jordan Osterley. So, all the former Blackhawks getting involved in that one. All but- the legends. <laughs> <laughs> D- Dylan Strom and Alex Debrinkit end up scoring goals to get the lead back up to three. Then Moritz Sider and Dylan Larkin both score, and it's a one goal game again with five minutes. Just an absolutely freaking crazy game. Between two of the worst teams in the NHL, I think it would probably be fair to say. But the Blackhawks do end up coming out on top. And, hey, look at it this way, Jay. The Blackhawks' last two games,
2: they've averaged four goals. That's good, right? Um, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, yes. Yeah, there you go. A Four-goal average. That'll get it done. He, he picked up what I
1: was throwing down <laughs> after the
2: Colorado shootout. Well, let's start with this game with Dylan Strom because it's a guy who's had – a couple tumultuous seasons in a row after a very promising beginning to his start in Chicago. I think if you asked a lot of people, you know, when this season began, would Dylan Strome be a black Hawk on January 26th? Most people would have said no, but a four point performance, really strong game. He's had a string of some pretty solid games. And it's weird to say like, maybe Dylan Strome was figuring it out, but we forget how young he is, right? He's still a, a very young NHL player And one guy we got to see very recently, Ryan Hartman, is is sort of proof positive that it doesn't happen overnight for everybody. Success is not always instant for top prospects. And look, I'm not ready to say that Dylan Strom is going to be the next big thing or anything like that, but we're seeing some good signs from him. We're seeing him get the message. And aside from the absolute snipe, his second goal of the game, uh, everything was kind of done in front of the net. Even the assist on uh on Sam Lafferty's goal was him working hard to get in front of the net didn't stop crashing that and made that pass right out in front to uh to lafferty and and that was so that was a nice play his assist and his four-point night so uh th- big thumbs up for Dylan strom for not just sort of look I, I think a lot of people if they had the sort of season Strom has had and had coaches saying things about him in the public both Calliton and King have have said and been critical of him in the press. Maybe not like in a mean way, but just said, eh, you know, we need a little more from him. And he's responded well, and it's good to see him get rewarded for his recent string of really good play. And I uh, couldn't be happier for him. He seems like a really great dude, uh, so happy to see him get rewarded. So to me, that's what I'm going to take away here is Dylan Strom's four-point night uh, in a game where he probably could have had what, five, six, seven points. He, he was all over yeah, the place, Good too. Lord,
1: yeah. He could have easily had a Sam Gagne-type uh, <laughs> oh, game. <God. laughs> uh, he, what, like you said, was all over the ice, was certainly, you know, uh, worthy of getting the hat trick. Hockey karma was certainly kind to him in this game. Uh, we had to hear the juggling story again, how he took up uh, juggling in the offseason, and it somehow magically created, Created this amazing face-off taker. Maybe Kirby Doc is trying that. He won half of his draws tonight. But it- <laughs> hey, that's big, Just, man. That's I- huge. That's, I'll take that from Kirby Doc. And it wasn't like he took two draws. He took twelve. Yeah. So I will definitely take that. But I think that. It's been interesting watching uh, Strom lately I pointed this out on Twitter he did only have one goal in his last nine games heading into tonight which I mean basically throw a dart at a Blackhawk right now you're gonna hit a guy who's in a scoring slump like that but. (laughs) He, does, he did have points in more than half of those, right? So it's not like he's been a complete non-entity. He's had some really solid games lately. He looked really good uh, in one game against the Wild when the Blackhawks just got shellacked. Yeah. He did have four shots on goal, and he did have the lone tally in that game. Uh, didn't have any shots against Minnesota the following night, but I think most of the time lately – Stroman's looked like a guy who could potentially get some things going offensively and maybe help this team out a little bit. And tonight was kinda a culmination of that, I felt like for him. I thought that he had a really strong game, was really engaged in a lot of different areas and I mean credits where it's due the guy did score a hat trick and had six go- shots on goal tonight and both of those were very clearly indicative of just how well he's been playing and I know a lot of people were kind of making jokes uh during the game that this was just like trade bait Dylan Strom he's trying like hell to get out of Chicago whatever the case is he I thought has he has been playing better lately I do have to give him credit for that
2: well and it's always been a question of consistency with Strom right it's You'll see those two or three games where he is a definite difference maker, and then you'll go a week and you won't even notice him on the ice. And I think that, to me, seems to be the recurring theme with the coaching criticism. It's not like this guy sucks or he's a candy ass or whatever you want to say. It's just that he's a different guy every night, and coaches don't like that. They can't rely on that. They want to know what they're going to get from their players. Like, you know, I think you look at if you go up and down the roster, you could probably say, like, Okay, you know, Hagel is going to give you a bunch of grit, a bunch of hustle, and and he's going to score every now and again. Mackenzie Entwistle is going to make the smart play. Not the biggest offensive juggernaut, but a guy you can rely on, right? You can go up and down, up and down, and sort of say, this is what I can expect from this guy on a a game-to-game basis. For a long time, Dylan Strom was not that guy. And the longer he can keep this going, the more trade value he has, of course, and maybe just maybe he tempts whoever this new Blackhawks GM is to hang on to him and give him another year give him another look and see you know what the true Dylan Strom is going to be is he going to continue his career being this sort of up and down you know hat trick then no points for a week kind of a guy or is he someone who's going to consistently put points up and be you know a 55 60 point guy for the rest of his career because to me if you can hang on to a guy like that, and you believe that Strom will be that kind of a player, I, I find that hard to pass up on. When you look at how bare the Blackhawks' cupboard is, and look, if a team's not going to give you a first or second round pick, chances are a third, a fourth, or fifth is not going to pan out to be as good as Dylan Strom. So you need to start thinking about return on investment versus you know maybe taking a bet on a guy who's got a, a decent attitude and has seem to figure things out lately.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think that you you had on some really good points there. I think that based on his contract situation and based on what the Blackhawks are probably going to be looking to build towards in the future, I don't think that they're probably going to be looking at Dylan Strome as a guy that is someone that they anticipate being here when their next competitive window opens. Of course, that's going to be completely up to. The leadership team, whether it's newer, existing, and we'll talk about that more in the back half of this podcast. But I think that. We've seen these kind of flashes from Dylan Strome before, right, where it looks like he's kind of started to engage more. He's kind of flipped the switch, so to speak, and then he'll go for a stretch without doing much of anything. I think that this season we've seen a few examples of that. I think back to November where I think he went through a stretch where he had five shots on goal in five games, just a completely – uh, listless performance, was not exactly earning the trust of Jeremy Colleton, and then he had a similar spell later in the season with Derek King, too. I feel like Strom runs so hot and cold that it's really hard to rely on him sometimes uh, as kind of a consistent goal scorer on a team that's kind of lacking in those types of players, and then there's nights like tonight where you're just like, why can't you just do this all the time, yeah. Man. Why can't he like, score four points we're, every we're, night, Dylan? Like, well, just like <laughs> to have that <laughs> no, type of impact on the game, though. Like right. you, you want him to be a top six winger or a top six center each and every night, and he could be. And it just there's a reason that it's not happening, and I'm trying to figure out what it is, and I just can't. It's really frustrating, like especially when you have a night like this where you can see those skills on full display.
2: Uh, you mentioned his contract, just so everybody knows. Uh, he has signed, uh, uh, only through this year, a $3 million deal. This summer, he becomes a restricted free, ar- free agent with arbitration rights. So we'll see. I can't imagine, unless he suddenly catches fire and, and does become this guy every night, um, a huge raise for him. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. Let's let's place your bets here, James. March 21st, the trade deadline is still in Strom hawk.
1: I'm going to say no. Uh, I think that he's going to attract some interest. I don't know if it's – it's not going to be some massive package, of course. it um, maybe, maybe like a mid-round pick, maybe a prospect involved there, but I'm sure that teams are going to kind of look at Dylan Strome the same way that um, I do and that you do to a large degree where he's just kind of a streaky player that – has these great moments, and someone's going to think they can catch lightning in a bottle, but I get the sense that he's going to get moved to a contending team that's looking to add some depth and some potential scoring punch at a relatively low cost, and I think he's probably going to end up getting
2: moved. I agree. I I, I think you're totally correct on your prediction. That's exactly what will happen. Not that they're similar players, but the way the Blackhawks got Antoine Vermette you know, that, that kind of a, you know, a, a late season reinforcement sort of a deal, um, you know, to admit that's your third line center and a guy who on the lesser team would be much higher. Um, so, yeah, look, whatever happens with him, I wish him the best. I, I was just pleased to see him have a night like this. I'm sure it's a huge weight off his shoulders to you know, really feel good when the final horn sounds after a, a, a long couple of years for Dylan Strom. So
1: yeah, that, that would have sucked if they had lost the game. Yeah, Imagine. Seriously. <laughs> the the uh, hat trick would have kind of got lost in the wash there.
2: Definitely. Okay. Uh, I don't know how deeply you've looked at the box score. Do you see who was plus five in this game? Was it Eric
1: Gustafson?
2: It was Caleb Jones.
1: It was a joke by the way. Eric Gustafson <laughs> played like eight minutes tonight. No, that's fine. That's you know what? Like somebody pointed out on Twitter that Caleb Jones has been having some really solid games lately. I agree. Am, am I the only, are we the only two people seeing that, or is that something you've observed too?
2: I would like him to stay in the lineup consistently. You gotta see what you have there. I agree. I, I've been more pleased than disappointed in his play. Uh the goal he set up that it first goal. Um, taking the puck away from Tyler Bertuzzi, fending off COVID, taking the puck away, <laughs> getting it to the brinket, to Taves back to the brinket. Uh, he had he had a strong game, and I think keeping him in the lineup is a good thing. These guys need to find a rhythm, and he's sort of been in and out, in and out. Now with some injuries, he's going to be forced to be in. Um, but I, I like what he's brought overall. Like for your fifth or sixth defenseman. I think I have no complaints about Caleb Jones. He's not going to set the world on fire, but you didn't expect him to be a top four when you brought him in here. You hoped that he would be an anchor on your bottom pair. That's exactly mm-hmm. what he's been. And he's shown, you know, he's shown some ability to, to hang out and, and create some offense while defending decently. So I'm I'm very pleased with the Caleb Jones acquisition.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to look up his uh, advanced metrics tonight just to see what they look like in comparison to the uh, plus five dead even in uh, Corsi, 50% tonight, which I kind of find amusing. But a lot of the Blackhawks were right in that area. In fact, the Blackhawks didn't have anybody below 42% and nobody above 58%, which kind of indicative of kind of the the ebb and flow of this game, I feel like. But yeah, I think that... Caleb Jones has really solidified himself as that, you know, fifth defenseman. I think he can fill in as a fourth defenseman in a pinch. But in a season where we're really starting to want to see some younger guys play and to get more run and see what we've got for the future, Caleb Jones is definitely a guy that I do want to see more of. And I do see a lot to his game that I like. I think he's a decent defensive player. He's got a little bit of offensive upside here and there, but It was a guy that I didn't really think too much of when they acquired him in the trade, but I'm do. i starting to see it a little bit, and that's been kind of in short supply with some of the Blackhawks' younger defensemen this season, so I'm essentially at a point where I'm going to take what I can get.
2: Speaking of uh, people we underestimated at the trade, I got to admit, I was way wrong on Sam Lafferty. I've, Dude, I've really yes. liked his game, and yes, he is a physical role-play type guy. Not a ton of offensive upside, but got his first goal as a Hawk in this game, and I think actually this game he was probably the least noticeable he's been in some time. But, Which is funny because he scored his first goal tonight. Right, but he has had some chemistry on that top line and just does the little things right. You want to talk about the anti- Alex Nylander, it is Sam Lafferty. (laughs) Oh, man. Polar opposite players where you look at Nylander and say, oh, my God, look at the skill set. Put it on display where Lafferty is getting it done with, you know, just pretty much grit and and want to. And and which player would you rather have? I think the answer is definitely Sam Lafferty. So I want to give props to him. And you mentioned the Corsi um, ratings in this game. Seth Jones, the team low, 4186 I thought in the first period, Seth Jones was an absolute monster, breaking yeah. up passes, setting up goals. Uh, there was one a pass breakup he made from his knees, then got up and went and took the puck from Dylan Larkin to set up uh, whose goal was that one? I forget which one it was, but he it was, there, was, there were eight. It's hard to keep track of all of them. <laughs> um, but he got the, he got, I think it was the first. Oh yeah, it was a Strom goal. Uh, he got that thing going, um, the first Strom goal. From two defensive plays in the same shift, in the same sequence, I thought he was great. Two assists. And I know, like, every time he plays, there's it's just so polarized still with Hawks fans. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you can actively watch Hawks games and complain about Seth Jones.
1: Yeah, the, the penalty he got called for tonight, I know, kind of irritated him, and that may have kind of led to a little bit of a decline in the numbers as the Red Wings started to kind of push later in the game. But, I mean, you look at his stat line tonight. You look at two assists. You look at four shots on goal. You look at 24 minutes and 44 seconds of ice time playing in all situations. What else do you want Seth Jones to do? I think he's been a really strong addition to the Blackhawks. I think he's their clear number one defenseman, of course. Oh, God, and that's, no exactly, that's exactly what you're paying him to do. Like, I'm not sure what more you could possibly want from him like yeah there's instances where he'll still make a bad read here and there but so does everybody else like i think that too often we've been guilty at times and i say we meaning blackhawk fans in general not Mm -hmm. specifically you and i sometimes i think we maybe go over his performances with a little too fine tooth of a comb perhaps but i think that I mean, you can throw all the, you know, advanced metrics at me that you want. I'm sure they're floating out there that show that Seth Jones sucks and Adam Boquist is God, whatever you want to end up citing. But I thought that you had phrased it really well at one point on this podcast when you said, it's Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, it is the last shift of the game, you need a defenseman on the ice, who do you want, Seth Jones or Adam Boquist? I mean, the answer to me is extremely obvious, it's Seth Jones, and I feel like he... As time goes on, he's probably going to get appreciated more, and as we've said before, the contract's going to look better and better as the cap goes up and other guys start to get paid. I I think that Seth Jones, with the exception of maybe a little bit of a sluggish start, I've been perfect. I've been satisfied with what he's done this season.
2: I think early in the season, we definitely saw him actively trying to justify his contract, right? He -hmm. was trying to do everything. He was trying to reinvent the game He was trying to prove to everybody that I'm worth this and I'm not the guy that I was last year in Columbus. As soon as he started just playing his game again, everything got the way it should be, right? Everything started to look like you thought it would look. And look, Seth Jones plays on a very porous defensive team. He plays half the game. Like His numbers are going to be impacted by who he's on the ice with, all the situations he plays in, Yada, yada, yada. it sounds like it's excuse making. And it is a little bit. But the only thing when I watch Seth Jones play and I go, oh, that's not great, is the advanced stats at the end of the game. Nothing that I'm watching during a game. Nothing I'm observing from Seth Jones, save from the occasional giveaway that, again, every defenseman's going to have. Seth Jones is as solid as they come. And I'm yep. glad he's a hawk. Yes, he's overpaid, probably by a million bucks. Yes, they gave up too much to get him. But the fact remains, he's probably the best player on the team right now. It's him or and
1: it's. I, I was going to say, I'd probably side with Alex Debrinkit, but I see what you're saying.
2: Well, let's talk about him now. I, I and was gonna say, can goals. we do goals.
1: Really quick shout out to we were since we were doing game shout outs we can definitely get to bring next but do want to shout out Brandon Hagel I know you've mo- you've mocked Jonathan Taves a lot for the palms up what the heck did I do <laughs> it's face
2: a, it's on the bingo the, card.
1: It's literally like the middle space on the bingo card, but I wanted to shout out Hagel, who clearly got interfered with in the third period of tonight's game, <laughs> yes. was fuming, pissed, and then immediately went and scored a goal. Like, that's how you react to a freaking <laughs> setback, yeah. bro. Don't You complain about the penalty, but you you go score a goal, and you're, you're in good shape. Like, I loved, loved that.
2: Yeah, that great response. That's is the kind of player he is, man. It's so good to see him getting rewarded, too, with points and I think after last season all of us were kind of like okay that was really encouraging and unexpected was that real is that really who Brandon Hagel is and he has not missed a beat this season he's been no. the same guy he's got 11 goals now two points on the se- on the night tonight a plus 2 four shots on goal another shot attempt it's just another Brandon Hagel night and he's become one of the more dependable players on the team it's just you know, I know we're throwing bouquets in this game because we probably shouldn't be because it was kind of a nightmare. Yeah, but- we're throwing we're throwing bouquets at individuals, not the team itself. But we have to, right? And I think, look, the reality is, and I said it a few minutes ago, this team is not very good. They're not. No. They're not good defensively. They. Struggle I said they
1: were one of the worst teams in the NHL, yes. and I stand by that.
2: But we have to judge each game through that lens, right? We can't compare them to the 2013 Blackhawks. Cause it, there's well, no
1: good. You wouldn't like the results. Of that <laughs> right. very much.
2: There's no point in doing that. Cause it's just not who they are. So on a game to game basis, you know, when things look good an eight to five win on the road against a team, that's not great, but getting better. Um, I'm pleased, you know, I'm, I'm happy they got away with a win. And even though it doesn't feel like a three goal win, it's a three goal win. And, uh, that was entertaining as hell, man. What did you think of the TNT broadcast?
1: Uh, the TNT broadcast, I thought the studio show, you can still see where they're kind of trying to... Uh, get the personality of the guys out there a little bit more. I'm sure you mm-hmm. saw the Gretzky goat thing that they were doing tonight, and some of the interviews that they did during the intermission. I really, by the way, enjoyed the Steve Eiserman interview, I, where the Blackhawks <laughs> were pasting the Red Wings, and that they still had to talk to Steve Eiserman. <laughs> well, I want to
2: know what, what was it, what did Steve Eiserman when they asked him what he does to unwind? He's like, I probably shouldn't mention say so because this is like a national broadcast. Is he like? Smoking meth? Is he Se- secret pothead? Is what he is? <laughs> is he like hit the, it, like strip clubs? What is Team guys doing? Way, to blow off Steam.
1: Just randomly today, I saw a story about a guy being arrested for having a meth fueled attack squirrel. So <laughs>
2: and it's so weird that meth has attacks. now
1: come up multiple <laughs> times in my life today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I that was. I agree with you though on the broadcast. Like they're trying to get that chemistry. And I think it's coming like I have not watched every TNT broadcast, so it's probably been probably two or three weeks since I like actually settled in to watch a game. And you can see it growing. The guys are starting to know each other, starting yep. to trust each other. Uh, weird that Gretzky wouldn't be there on the broadcast on his birthday where they're like just throwing roses at him the entire time. What he's He was absent
1: for quite a while, wasn't he? Yeah. And, I, and then he like briefly came back and now he's
2: gone again. Yeah, Keith Jones sort of mentioned it, too. Like, all right, I think we've talked enough about Wayne today. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's enough. Like, we don't have to spend the like, entire broadcast. Like, don't talk broadcast. about the guy
1: who's not here.
2: Yeah, it was it was weird. Happy birthday, Wayne Gretzky. And, and by the way, I can verify Keith Jones's story that Wayne Gretzky signs his emails with 99. When the Cubs drafted his son. I'm trying to remember his name. I want to say Brent, but Brent was his brother. Trevor Gretzky. Trevor Gretzky. Thank it was you. Trevor. When the yeah. Cubs drafted him. Wayne agreed to come on the score and I got to book him and sure enough, he sent an email back. Hey, thanks. That was a lot of fun. Signature 99. Like hell. Yes. That's awesome. How, <laughs> how I didn't print that email. I'll never understand. Uh, I don't know if I still have it, but so better, so better, cool.
1: uh, better, uh, sign off what Wayne Gretzky does with 99 or the way Joe Madden, you send his text messages to you.
2: Yeah. Uh, Wayne for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Didn't
1: Joe always, like, just give you some variation of okay?
2: Yeah, there was always some okie-dokie or thumbs up or... cool There was always some kind of fun um, fun affirmation. <laughs> you know, of uh, ready to go? Yeah. see si, senor. Stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was different every week. But, uh, that, by the way, I should say you brought it up. Joe Madden, um, genuine. Like, that's the real dude. The guy that he portrays to be when you see him in interviews and on TV... That's how he is, like when the cameras are off too. So, I I get
1: super Bill Walton vibes from him. I really do. Uh,
2: similar, but maybe not as exhausting. I think after (laughs) I think after a while with Bill Walton, you'd be like, okay, I need a break. I think with with Joe, it's not that way. He's just kind of a chill. He's more of like a Jimmy (laughs) Buffett than a Bill Walton.
1: I can okay, I can accept that, and I like that.
2: You know what I like? Ooh, James. What? What do you like? Fry the coop.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I love where this is going.
2: <laughs> the best Nashville hot chicken you've ever damn had. I had Nashville hot chicken from another establishment tonight. and uh, Cheating. Not, He's cheating. Not the same. I'm going to be honest. I was said, you know what this could be? Fry the coop. And you know what it's not? Fry the coop. So guess what I'm going to have tomorrow? Fry the coop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna,
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I'm betting fry the coop. <laughs>
2: yeah. Go to their website, frythecoop.com. If you're in the Chicagoland area, and I'm betting if you're listening to this Blackhawks podcast, you are, you've got one near you. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, and coming soon to Darien. So the Western Burbs are about to get uh, their own uh, Fry the Coop. So that's awesome. Go to frythecoop.com, check out their menu, place your order, go dine in, whatever you want to do. You're going to love it. That's a Madhouse podcast guarantee. Uh, before we get to the second half of the show and all the general manager news i sort of want to um one more thing about the tnt broadcast i'm watching with hope and she's sort of half watching and eiserman's on there she's like who is that I'm Like, that's steve eiserman she's like no I'm Like, yes that's steve eiserman she goes when did he get hot I'm Like, what i don't know i'm like well i don't know like was he not when he played she's like no he was not when he played I'm like, okay i did i didn't know this but apparently uh you know Cougar bait. Steve, Steve Iserman. That's call my wife a cougar. That's not going to go speaking,
1: well. Speaking of cougar bait, did you uh, discuss with her uh, Ryan Poles? Does she have a thought on the Bears' new GM?
2: She does not. No, she does okay. not. Yeah, I, I'm
1: always interested to see because her opinions tend to, I don't know, go against what I would think she would say. It's very interesting to hear that. It's like hearing uh, Addy's thoughts on hockey jerseys.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, we know Hope has terrible taste in men. This has been been proven for a long, long time. I'm just going to – I'm letting that sit there. I ain't saying nothing. Well, we've got a mountain of evidence uh, proving it. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into the news of the day, the off-ice news of the day. The Blackhawks general manager search is beginning. We'll fill you in on all the details next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by the Sinsin Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases, as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney, Kent Sinsin opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes and buses, construction accidents, nursing home abuse medical negligence and birth injuries slip and fall cases and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products kent's firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients Sinson law group charges no fees unless they win for you so call for a free consultation 312-332-2107 or visit that's sinsonlawgroup.com that's s-i-n-s-o-n lawgroup.com don't go off sides Go Top Shelf. Call now. 312-332-2107.
1: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We spent the first portion of this show talking about the dramatic victory over the Detroit Red Wings on Wednesday nights. And now we get to go big picture dramatic music. Um, We have been talking so much on this podcast about what the Blackhawks are going to end up doing in their hockey operations department, whether they're going to keep Kyle Davidson, whether they're going to hire a president of hockey ops, if they're going to bring in Edzo as hockey czar, whatever it is, we've talked about it extensively. And guess what we got today, Mr. Jay Zawoski? We got an update An update from the desk of (laughs) Blackhawks chief Chief executive officer, Danny Wirtz. Wrote a letter to fans, made a lot of promises and a lot of statements about where that uh, process is. And guess what, Jay? I'm going to make you
2: read the entire damn thing. Good luck. All right, nobody wants this, so I'm going to read very slowly as I am typically a mush-mouthed bastard. So (laughs) I'm going to do this as carefully as I can, all right? As James said... From the desk of Chicago Blackhawks Chief Executive Officer Danny Wirtz, all of this is a quote. As we read, that was not part of the. Qu- that was not part of it.
1: <laughs> you okay. immediately stopped yourself. You made it two friggin' words into reading this and just stopped.
2: Okay, from here on out, this is a quote. As we recently reached the halfway point of the 2021-22 season, I'm excited to provide an update on our search for the next general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. Over the last six weeks, our leadership has been taking part in a discovery and research process that explored all functions and structure of our hockey operations department. This top to bottom exercise revealed an incredible amount of in-house talent while also highlighting areas for growth and opportunities to become more competitive. We plan to create a next generation hockey operations department with a path to sustained success for the Chicago Blackhawks. Our next step is to find the right leader, and we will begin to reach out to potential candidates this week to interview for the general manager role. That position will be the highest-ranking executive in hockey operations and will report directly to me. We anticipate making a final decision in advance of the NHL trade deadline, March 21st we're looking to hire the best strategic mind who can build and develop a hockey operations leadership team that will be best in class across professional sports. This new leader will create a team environment that brings the best experts together to guide decision-making on the future of the Blackhawks while ensuring they share in the overall organizational goals of consistency compete and consistently competing at a championship level. And without question, He or she must be someone who exhibits our organizational values. Current interim GM Kyle Davidson is a candidate and will interview for the GM role. He remains in this position of interim GM and will continue to have full autonomy of hockey decisions in the meantime. I will lead the interview process alongside President of Business Operations Jamie Faulkner with the support and counsel of an advisory group who will offer perspective on the role and those being interviewed. That advisory committee will be comprised of leaders across the sports industry as well as our search partners and will be announced in the coming days. We will be as transparent as possible throughout the process. However, since we will be interviewing candidates both inside and outside of hockey, we will need to respect the confidentiality of the process and those candidates. In addition, we are planning on hosting a town hall style meeting next week with our fans, partners, staff, and media to further explain the greater vision of the Chicago Blackhawks. Details on that are to follow. We greatly look forward to bringing in the leader of our club's team operations who is going to help write the next chapter of championship hockey for this franchise. So there you have it. There is the statement from Danny Wirtz. A lot of places to start, James. I will take a sip of water and let you pick where to start.
1: Um, I think the first uh, thing that Let's just start at the top. The fact that they have been looking through a discovery and research process to kind of figure out a structure of hockey ops, and the fact that they've identified a lot of in-house talent that they want to keep, I thought was all very interesting. And then it ultimately comes down to the general manager role being the highest ranking executive in hockey ops, which means no president of hockey operations. It strictly means a GM and then everyone below them, that GM will report directly to Danny Wirtz, which I've always, I keep being tickled by this. The fact that there was all this talk about how he was wanting to get back into the beverage distribution business and he wanted to kind of focus on that. It does not sound like he is ever like going anywhere like he is fully invested in working with the Blackhawks and doing what needs to be done on that side of things and I found it fascinating that they've kind of dispensed with the idea of having a president of hockey ops and then a GM below that it sounds like they're going to go with a uh, slightly more streamlined structure and I definitely thought that that was kind of a fascinating development
2: yeah that was a surprise to me I definitely thought we would be seeing a you know czar of hockey operations and then a GM under that person and my first thought was if they're going let's be honest the same way the Bears are going right yeah the GM is the top hockey or is the top football operations person with the Bears it'll be the top hockey operations person for the Hawks does that sort of eliminate some of the higher I don't know what's the word I'm looking for like does that eliminate like an Eddie Olchek type is just it certainly sounds like it to me right like is is being just a general manager enough for Eddie O? wow to I guess theoretically
1: you're still effectively a president of hockey operations you just don't have that specific title necessarily
2: well I mean and look that's that's what Stan Bowman was Right. Like he was the was he vice president of hockey, whatever it was, whatever his title was. He was the hockey czar and the GM at the same time. They might just be streamlining the title. And yeah. Al McIsaac was there and McIver was there. There were all these people who were there assisting the GM. He often didn't listen to them, as we found out. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I am interested. I definitely was expecting if you were to ask me 24 hours ago, okay, this release is coming out tomorrow. What's it going to say? I definitely would have said hockey ops guy, GM, and then fill in below that. Um, yep. So I'm not, I don't really have a thought like good or bad about this because I want to see how it shakes out. I, I'm well, okay. really interested to find out who they're going to talk to, especially as they sort of hinted at the possibility that it might not be someone who is from the world of hockey. That. You
1: see, and that's exactly why I'm curious. Like, why would you not then have a dual kind of structure then where the presidents of hockey operations may have experience in another sport or whatever, and then have a GM beneath that person? And I thought that that would make – a lot more sense if they're going to be casting the net outside of the world of hockey. And then to add on top of that, the fact that they've said that Kyle Davidson is a candidate will interview for that role. And there are reports, they want to keep him in the organization, even if they don't hire him as the permanent GM. And I think to myself, why would you make a new GM keep his I don't want to say predecessor, but you know what I mean? Like, you want that GM to have the autonomy to hire whoever they want. Is that going to be – kind of a sticking point that's going to keep some people from taking this job, but they, not to say that Kyle Davidson isn't qualified for it. I think that, you know, the fact that they're considering him for GM indicates that they think he's qualified for it. I'm saying that don't you want them to have complete autonomy in those types of hiring decisions? And do you think that's going to limit the number of people who are going to be interested in that job?
2: Of course I want the new GM to have that autonomy. I don't think the Hawks are going to say, We have found the perfect person and we're going to force that person to keep Kyle Davidson. They might strongly suggest or nudge and say, hey, by the way, we've been really impressed with what Kyle Davidson's done here. And I can't like realistically, I can't imagine a GM coming into the organization, everyone in the organization singing the praises of someone and then being like, no, this person's gone (laughs) you know what I mean like it's just realistically like I think as fans we sometimes think of it that way like I'm bringing all my own people it's very normal for layovers to stick around and hang out because look they've been in the organization they knows how they know how it works those people are really valuable to a new general manager coming in and say hey like how do things work around here you know what have you observed Um, what are the, like when you were interim GM, what were some of the challenges you faced? What are some of the tools you wished you had? Like all those things are very valuable. And look, Kyle Davidson doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to like revolt if he doesn't get the job. Uh, he had no expectations of having this job until the scandal broke, uh, and he was suddenly thrust into the interim seat. I I don't think it's going to be long story short. What I'm saying is I don't think it's going to be make or break. The Hawks aren't going to say, Hey, Kevin Weeks, or, hey, Eddie Olchek, <laughs> we want you to be our GM, but only if you keep Kyle Davidson. I just don't think on either side of that it's going to be a true issue.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. I'm trying to – I thought I had seen a report that Davidson was – they were going to kind of encourage the new person, whoever it is, if it's not Davidson, to keep him around. Yeah. I'm not finding that. Uh, Frank Saravalli did say that he thinks that – Uh, Davidson is a very strong candidate to remain in the positions so it's just it's interesting that they I mean of course they're going to say that he's going to be a candidate I mean why wouldn't he be still has full autonomy to make decisions right now I think it makes total sense to interview him they're clearly very high on him I'm just saying that if they're gonna be applying some pressure why would you agree to Uh, join the front office. If that's the case, you should be able to hire your own people. And again, not to say Davidson's not qualified, but that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't qualify as keeping my own people. If I'm being urged to keep that guy.
2: Yeah. I know what you're saying. I, the other thing that's interesting to me is this whole town hall concept.
1: Yeah. I thought that was
2: fascinating. (laughs) The last time that happened, it did not go well. That was the Mike Smith and Alpo Suhonen town hall Hosted by Mike North. <laughs> that was freaking nuts. I was there. Elpo Suhonan, I think, was falling asleep at the table. Mike Smith, who, in hindsight, was a pretty damn good GM and did some really good things for the Hawks, um, is just not the most, like, Mike-ready and camera-ready dude in the world. He's kind of a savant, like, kind of a yeah. artsy-farty kind of a, you know, he's an eccentric. So, Mike North interviewing a guy from Finland and Mike Smith was probably the worst mix you could have had. It just went horribly. So I'm interested to see what the format of this is going to be. What kind of access the average fan is going to have to the town hall? Like, is it for season ticket holders only? Is it for elite season ticket holders? Will it be live streamed? Who knows? Uh, really looking. Forward well, I mean, to the if staff and media
1: that. are going to be able to participate in this, there's going to be a decent amount of attention paid to it. And I'm sure it's going to be available in some capacity. Just the fact they're willing to do that, I think speaks not only to the idea that they want to be, you know, transparent about what the expectations are of that GM, but it sounds like it. when they say the greater vision of the Chicago Blackhawks, what do you think that means? I think that doesn't sound like just hockey to me.
2: No, it sounds like, Look, it sounds like Danny realizes that the Hawks, despite their massive jump in organizational structure from when John McDonough took over till now, they're still way behind the times in terms of modern sports franchises. In terms of like the size of the staff of the of when I say the office, I don't mean hockey ops, or I just mean in general, right? Like, there's a lot that probably needs to be done. I think the failure of the Kyle Beach situation from top to bottom is sort of a very strong indicator of that, that HR was kind of like non-existent. You know, if you had a problem with John McDonough, too bad, suck it up. There's not like an actual, so I think that sort of a thing, like ground up rebuilding of the, of, you know, Chicago Blackhawks incorporated or LLC or whatever it is, um, you know, that's what needs to happen. It's, it's more than just we need a person to make hockey decisions. I think what they're planning on doing, and we'll get more insight on this, obviously in the town hall, they need to sort of revamp the way the entire organization operates. Not that Mm -hmm. it's bad, but it's just as behind the times.
1: Well, I mean, and and if you involve uh, Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner in that town hall, I'm assuming that we're going to hear a lot about what the non-hockey portion of the organization is going to do, whether it's a... I wouldn't imagine a huge scale uh, restructuring, but you could probably see them making announcements about how they're going to engage with the community, how they're going to handle things similar to the Kyle Beach situation in the future. If something you know ever happens again that you know requires lawyers or whatever else, there will be undoubtedly better procedures put in place. I'm sure the Blackhawks will announce partnerships with uh, sexual assault, uh, you know, advocacy groups, what have you. I'm sure that All of those things are probably going to be focused on if there's going to be a town hall involving fans and staff and media. I would think that this isn't just going to be, oh, we're going to rebuild. This is probably, yeah, we're going to rebuild hockey, but there's a lot of other stuff that we're looking to take care of, too. So I I think that between the idea that it's just going to be a gm and not a president of hockey ops and the fact that they're willing to do this town hall i think those are probably the two most intriguing takeaways from all of this and I'm really interested to see just how long it's going to take them to start to identify candidates and to get somebody permanently hired into that position. You don't want to do this like March 16th and then have like the <laughs> trade deadline be five days away. I would imagine that they'll try to get somebody installed sooner rather than later.
2: I would definitely think that's the case. And and one more thing, I want to bring up with this: a lot of people have sort of said, like, well, why does Jamie Faulkner have have insight into the hire? She's on the business ops side. And a lot of people are drawing that parallel to Ted Phillips. Here's the thing. The fact that Ted Phillips, someone in his role is in a decision making or like an input position to me isn't bad. It's a, it's a Ted Phillips specifically sucks at it, right? Like he himself is bad at the job. I think that if you have someone in that role and you're going to make a franchise altering hire, you want all of the minds of the company in on that decision and yes ultimately it falls on Danny Wirtz and ultimately it will fall on George McCaskey to hire a GM and then hopefully the GM hires the coach he wants and I hope the same thing happens with the Hawks right but Having your business operations person in there for interviews and talking to the candidates and asking questions that maybe Danny didn't think of. Those are good things. Jamie Faulkner is a very intelligent woman who knows what she's doing, has earned this job. I want to hear a little more from her. I wish she was a little more out front and talking.
1: I'd love to have her on the podcast. Would love it.
2: I wonder if now that the smoke is sort of cleared on the Kyle Beach thing, if they'd be a little more open to that. You know, because last year dealing with a pandemic, there wasn't a ton of business ops stuff to talk about. Um, But I wonder if now that we're sort of entering this new era air quotes um, that they announced today, I wonder if she'll make herself available because I would absolutely I know some Hawks brass listens to this podcast open invitation for Jamie Faulkner. Anytime she wants to come on, we'd love to talk to her. Same thing goes for Danny, of course. Same thing goes for Kyle Davidson, whoever you want to put on here. We're happy to have them. Uh, that's an open invite, though. I'd love to talk to Jamie Faulkner and just find out, you know, what is her, what, year and a half or whatever it's been been like? What has she been doing? What is her focus every day? I think it's fascinating. So, look, man, I'm on board. I'm really fascinated to see what's going to happen next with the Blackhawks. We should have some answers. Well, we'll definitely have a few next week um, when this town hall happens, and then hopefully in short order, a new GM and uh, the next era of Blackhawks hockey will be set to begin. And I, for one, am ready loved everything
1: that you said man and i i am very curious to see how this all plays out and hey gives us something to talk about other than the outrageousness of what's happening (laughs) on the ice for this team i can't wait
2: definitely all right man thanks for uh, taking time out of your night james i know you're you're doing some work thanks everybody for listening we greatly appreciate it we're never far away we'll be back soon with another episode of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast Until then, take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.